The New York Rangers play a complete 40 minutes. They flirt with disaster, and they hang on for a 5-3 to three win against the Detroit Red Wings. Breaking it all down on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 935 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. I just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. And we are, of course... Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Rangers, obviously, they didn't close this game the way that you would have liked them to close this game. They pretty much dominated for the first two periods. Like I said, a complete 40 minutes. And, you know, they really, in the first period, you felt like they kind of should have been up by more than one to nothing. And again, I think one of the things that kind of kept that from happening is the fact that they took a couple of ill-timed penalties in the first period. But in the second period, they obviously got it rolling, went on a rampage. And like I said, for the first 40 minutes or so, there's very little to nitpick about anything that the Rangers did wrong. I thought uh, they certainly defended very well. Quality scoring opportunities for Detroit were few and far between for the first two periods. Detroit had one shot on goal about midway through the first period. The Rangers had the first nine shots on goal. You know, the list goes on and on. You can look at any stat or just use the eye test. You could show this game to somebody who's watching hockey for the first time, and they'd be able to tell you, yeah, the Rangers, even taking the goals out of the equation for the first two periods, the Rangers were largely dominating this game. And then, of course, like I said, it, it got away from them a little bit in the third period. We'll save that for the end of the episode. But for right now, let's go ahead and highlight what was basically just a rampage by the Rangers in the second period here. As I mentioned, you know, the first period, up one nothing. You get the goal from Vincent Trocek on a strong drive to the net. He scored in the first two or three minutes of the game there. And then after that, you know, a couple of chances for the Rangers. But um, the dam just really wouldn't break in the first period. I even saw uh, Locked on Red Wings. They tweeted out after the first period that, you know, that they're still in the game despite playing very poorly. And, uh, you know, as a Ranger fan, you're sitting there and it's like, man, you know, we should be up by more than one to nothing. But eventually uh, they got there. They got it done in the second period. Uh, the second period began with Barclay Goodrow and Vincent Trocek getting a couple of shorthanded opportunities. The Rangers were shorthanded very often in this game. The good news, of course, is that the penalty kill stepped up big, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit here. But you also had, again, this is in the second period, kind of early. Zach Jones had a play where he basically weaved his way to the net uh, all the way from the blue line and just couldn't finish on the doorstep. This one in particular drew a reaction from fans. I'm not sure they were really expecting that from Zach Jones. And for the most part, except for one really egregious goal where they looked really bad. I thought the Jones and Schneider pairing played better in this one than they probably have, um, you know, really any other game that they've been linked up together out there. Of course, Zach Jones hasn't been playing that often. He's been the odd man out. Um, but with Adam Fox out of the lineup, you got to figure he's going to be in there a lot more often, if not every single game until Fox uh, gets back. So a uh, mixed bag for them, but I, I thought mostly Jones and uh, Schneider played at least better in this one together than they have uh, in the past. Certainly, uh, earlier this season, you can even go back to other seasons as well. As far as the goals, uh, once they started, you know, happening, they they came pretty fast and furious here. I uh, had Eric Gustafson, who has been basically a godsend for this Ranger team, especially now with Adam Fox out of the lineup. 
Uh, Eric Gustafson, and I feel like the Ranger defenseman as a whole, I just got done talking about Jones and Schneider. It feels like they've all kind of stepped up a little bit. They know that the uh, best of the bunch, Adam Fox, he's not going to be around for a little while. And I thought all the Ranger defensemen played very, very well in this game. Uh, Peter Laviolette went out of his way to praise Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba after this game. I tweeted out uh, that, you know, I think it's the best that Jacob Truba has played thus far in his Ranger tenure. You know, this this first handful of games where we 12 games in now uh, with the New York Rangers. So, yeah, defensemen stepping up, including this play by Eric Gustafson. Puts a spin move on his opponent. Passes to Mika Zibanejad in the right circle. It's a little give and go back to Gustafson. Save was made, but a penalty was called on Andrew Kopp. So the Rangers go to the power play, uh, and then, you know, they work the puck back to Gustafson at the blue line. He takes the shot. Kreider's there for the tipping goal. That made it 2 to nothing. Gustafson's second assist of the game. He also assisted, like I said, on the game-opening goal by Vincent Trocek, and he has just been awesome. I've, I've said it before. I will say it again right now. Show me a better six-figure free agent pickup, somebody making six figures in the NHL, Acquired in free agency on a new team that is making a better and more profound impact on his team than Eric Gustafson. I think he's been fantastic. And, you know, even defensively, I know he's kind of known as an offensive defenseman. He certainly has not been a defensive liability by any stretch. Uh, we move ahead a little bit further in the second period. Rangers back on the power play. You've got Mika and Kreider both applying pressure on the forecheck. Uh, Kreider knocked it away from the defender. It goes right to Mika Zibanejad. And Mika very quickly centers for Vincent Trocek. And Trocek scores right there from the slot. High danger scoring area of the rink. And it's three to nothing. And Trocek's second goal of the night, despite having just one goal on the season before that. So hopefully uh, Vincent Trocek gets it going a little bit. You know, he's, he's played fine. His offensive numbers just aren't there. And that's to be somewhat expected because, you know, he's not playing with Artemi Panarin as much this season. Of course, he's back with him now. But at the start of the season, they had Philip Hedl on the second line. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that goes when Philip Hedl comes back. You know, do they just leave Trocek with Panarin for a little while longer? Do they ease Philip Hedl back into the thing uh, with, you know, some some bottom six play on the third line? Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see how that shakes out. Obviously, fingers crossed that uh, Philip Hedl is doing okay. But uh, Vincent Trocek stepping up in this game. Two of the first three Ranger goals belong to Trocek. And then a little bit of a blue-collar goal. Really, really, there were a couple of blue-collar goals in here. This is a bit of a blue-collar goal as well because, you know, the one I just talked about, uh, Mika and Kreider both were in on the forecheck, both applying a lot of pressure and uh, forcing the puck loose, forcing a turnover and scoring off of that. And then this time was a – the next goal was a big-time blue-collar goal. I've got Alexi Lafreniere fighting for the puck behind the net. And digs it out from the boards. You know, he's got a couple of guys and a couple of players on each team behind the net there battling Lafreniere, not quitting on the play. He eventually gets it loose, and then he passes from behind the net in front to Artemi Panarin. And as I tweeted while the game was happening, did anyone on the planet think that Artemi Panarin was not going to score from this area on the ice? I mean, he's scoring from every area on the ice. He's hot right now, and he's shooting the puck more this season than we've ever seen him shoot uh, since he's been a member of the New York Rangers. Really, the only thing standing in Artemi Panarin's way, potentially, of scoring right here is his own selflessness. You know, there's part of you that always expects, even when he's got a great chance, that he's going to pass and try to set up somebody else. Uh, but no, he's been shooting a lot more often this season and getting rewarded for it. He scores here, and uh, that puts the Rangers up 4 nothing. And like I said, a couple of blue-collar goals for the Rangers uh, in this game, which is always really, really nice to see. And Artemi Panarin, by the way, uh, another two-point night, I believe it was, for Artemi Panarin. A goal and an assist. Was that his final stat line here? Yes. Goal and an assist for Artemi Panarin. He had the secondary assist on the goal that was scored by Kreider that made it 2 to nothing. Um, So with that, he is now 
up to 12 games in a row with at least one point to start the season, closing in on Rod Bear. His record is 14 in a row. Uh, Panarin right now is at 12. Panarin kind of downplayed it after the game when he was being interviewed by reporters, but uh, obviously a cool stretch for Artemi Panarin to begin the season here, uh, just on fire. Maybe it's the haircut, or maybe it's that shoot-first mentality, or just feeling it right now. You know, it could be uh, all of the above, maybe. So uh, great stuff from Artemi Panarin. And then... Rangers make it 5 to nothing. Zach Jones, once again, making some nice moves toward the net. Uh, his shot is fought off, but Jones eventually gets it back, takes a shot from around the blue line, and Will Cooley's in front there for deflection, makes it 5 to nothing. Very, very encouraging to see Will Cooley get it going. He might find himself in a top-six role at some point. I mean, the thing that's going to stop that from happening is the fact that he's a left-winger, and the Rangers have just a surplus of left-wingers right now. Um, Could he play the right wing? Is that an option that... The Rangers want to look at because, again, they're, they're not getting a whole lot from the right wingers right now. So it, it's an idea that's out there. I, I can't see it see, being something the Rangers would do all that soon. But if you keep going and going and going this season, you're not getting anything from Wheeler. You're not getting a whole lot of anything from Capo Caco. Maybe at some point that becomes an option. But it's nice to see Wheeler you know, start to contribute offensively here. And getting back to what he was doing in the preseason a little bit, which is being a net front presence. Uh, here again, you know, big guy in front of the net. He's pretty immovable. And a nice deflection to put the puck in the net makes it 5 nothing in favor of the Rangers. I've been kind of touching on throughout the episode a couple of the lineup changes that the Rangers have made. And I want to go ahead and kind of elaborate on that in just a second. Specifically, the Kako from Wheeler swap. But there were a couple of other moves that the Rangers made as well. We're going to get to all that good stuff in just a second. But first, I want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or, keep your ride or die alive. There we go. At ebaymotors.com, eligible items only. Exclusions do apply. Also, I want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Mika Zibanejad could score 50 goals. The New York Rangers could hoist the Stanley Cup. And you could win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with sleeper you can win a hundred times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests all you have to do is pick whether studs like Panarin Mika Kreider Fox when he comes back Igor or anybody else will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals assists saves plus minus and more in a given game to win a hundred times your bet on sleeper you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats you heard me, Ranger fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper, so start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKDOWNNHL, and you will get a, up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code LOCKDOWNNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details 
and locational availability. Everybody just want to go ahead and thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And for the everydayers, you guys are definitely going to want to stick around. Rangers clearly off to a hot start to the season here. And up next is a uh, rematch with the Minnesota Wild. In our next episode, we'll be doing another pregame crossover episode, this time with Seth of Locked On Minnesota Wild. Definitely looking forward to that. Uh, for right now, though, let's uh, keep the focus on this Ranger win here and specifically some of the lineup changes that were made uh, going into this game. So you have a top line of Kreider, Mika, and Blake Wheeler. And that's kind of the headline grabber, the fact that Blake Wheeler moves from the third line to the first line. Capo Caco goes from the first line down to the third line. There were kind of some mixed uh, emotions, shall we say, on social media when this happened among Ranger fans because I think a lot of people look at the fact that Blake Wheeler has one point and it's like, why would you do that? What has he done to earn that promotion? Uh, he hasn't done anything, this, that, and the other thing. You're going to go with the old guy over Capo Caco, the young homegrown player. Um, yeah, so you're not wrong about really any of that, but here's the thing. Neither player, Wheeler or Caco, has really done a whole lot of anything offensively to start the season. Blake Wheeler came into this game with one point. Capo Caco, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is still at two points. And that hasn't changed because neither one of them got on the score sheet, even in a game where the Rangers ended up with five goals. So to me, and Peter Laviolette uh, pretty much confirmed this. I don't have the exact quote in front of me. But to me, as soon as I saw this change, it was kind of just like, okay, well, neither one of them's doing anything. Might as well try this, even if it's just for the sake of trying something different and just seeing what clicks. There's no reason really not to do that at this point. Uh, another point that Ranger fans have been making is that, well, you know, Mika and Kreider, they don't, they haven't done anything 5v5 either. And again, you're not wrong about that. I think coming into this game, uh, the two of them had like three points, 5v5. I think the difference though is that Kreider and Mika are much more established players in the NHL than Capo Caco. They, they've had a lot more big-time seasons. They've been all-stars. Uh, Chris Kreider has a 50-goal season to his credit. Mika has flirted with 100 points without looking at the stats. I'm not sure if he's ever gotten there, but he's been close a couple of times. Um, the two of them have been big-time players for the Rangers for a lot of years. Capo Caco, he's had his flashes. Uh, there's times where it looks like he's going to take off. And then we go through stretches like this to start this season where you barely notice him out there. So uh, for me, no issues whatsoever with this change. Uh, again, even if it's just a change for the sake of a change, it's fine. You know, um, and, and when you look at Peter Laviolette, he hasn't really done a whole lot of mixing and matching when it comes to the line combinations. Obviously, some of the injuries recently, and of course, Barclay, miss, Barclay Goodrow missed the one game uh, to be there for the birth of his son, and congratulations there. So that forces you to change on the fly a little bit, but uh, Laviolette is uh, a coach that I, I think everything, every move that he makes as far as the lineup is concerned is done with something in mind. And in this case, again, a little bit of a change of scenery. Try these guys with different uh, line partners. And uh, yeah, let's let's just see how it goes. Uh, nothing doing in the first game, but we'll see how it goes going forward. Second line, you've got Artemi Panarin, Vincent Trocek, Alexi Lafreniere. So that line is unchanged from what we've been seeing uh, the last couple of games, at least. Obviously, Hedl was there at the start of the season, but that seems to be uh, the default second line, at least for right now. Third line, then you've got Cooley. Nick Bonino playing in a top nine role with the Rangers. He's at center, uh, Capo Caco at right wing. And Bonino's played well. You know, he's done very nice, a uh, very nice job on the penalty kill. He's somebody that uh, has been on the ice, you know, during some close games where the Rangers have a lead. So I thought he played well in this game too. Um, you know, for Caco, he's he's out there with uh, you know, two 
physical players that uh, are not known for their offensive prowess. Obviously, Will Cooley could get there, and he may very well get there as soon as this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kako playing with obviously a different style of players right now. But something that's interesting about this to me is that Peter Laviolette talked about this in the offseason, that he likes to have uh, what he considers to be something of a shutdown line. And maybe this line could be that for the Rangers. We know Cooley's going to go out there and hit everything that moves. Uh, Nick Bonino, really blue-collar player, is going to block shots and do all the, the little things, some of the dirty work for the Rangers. And Capo Caco, as much as he has struggled offensively, he still grades out very, very favorably defensively. I realize you want him to do more than just that, second overall pick and all this uh, fanfare when he was drafted, but at least he's helping in that area. And maybe that line could be, uh, they could be those guys, at least, you know, in the short term going forward, while we wait for some of the Ranger players to get back from injury. Um, I mean, I guess at this point, it's, it's really just Hedl, but that would obviously cause some ripples in the lineup. And then the fourth line, VZ Goodrow Pitlick. Uh, Goodrow, again, congratulations to the Goodrow family on the birth of their son. And then as far as the defense pairings, it's exactly what you'd expect. Miller Trueweather now lists the top pairing as they should be. Uh, then you've got Lindgren and Gustafson, uh, Jones and Schneider, and then uh, Jonathan Quick in goal. And uh, Louis Domingue was backing him up because Igor wasn't ready to go uh, quite yet in this game. Um, so one other thing I just wanted to mention as far as the Wheeler for Kako swap is that Peter Laviolette talked about it, you know, when he was obviously asked about it during one of his pressers before the game, he said, it's not a work ethic thing. And he was talking about Kako when he said that through the course of 11 games, it just hasn't clicked the way you'd want from a production standpoint. And I'm not saying that's only Capo. I'm just saying that's the reality. And yeah, again, th there's no reason not to try something a little bit different at this point, at least see how it goes. And, uh, if either. Wheeler or Kako can get it going, then this will be a positive change uh, for the Rangers. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how that goes. I also have to give a shout-out to my mom for this because we were talking Ranger hockey on the phone uh, the other night and, you know, not obviously thrilled with uh, Kako and Wheeler not really producing a whole lot of points. And my mom came up with the idea of maybe just put Blake Wheeler on the top line. And lo and behold, one game later, here we are. Blake Wheeler's up there uh, with Mika and with Kreider. And we'll see how it goes going forward. And, uh, you know, Capo Caco going to have to work his way up the lineup, it would seem. As far as their stats, you know, while we're talking about Caco and Wheeler here, Caco ends up a plus one, two shots on goal, 12 minutes, 10 seconds of ice time. That was the fourth fewest among Ranger forwards. Uh, and then Blake Wheeler didn't have a great night either. Two penalties. He was an even plus minus one shot on goal, just 9.53 ice time for Blake Wheeler. Ouch. And uh, by the way, that, that was the second fewest uh, among Ranger players for Blake Wheeler as far as ice time, only to Tyler Pitlick at 9.15. But these were some forwards that ended up with more ice time than either Wheeler or Kako. Nick Bonino got 16.24. That's a little bit padded because obviously the Rangers were shorthanded so often in this game, um, and Bonino was playing on the third line, so that's going to result in a little bit more ice time as well. Uh, you have Jimmy Vesey. He had more than either Kako or Wheeler at 13.40. Again, the penalty killing factors in a little bit here, but it is still not notable. And then Will Cooley, Got more than either one of them as well. He had 12-13. So something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, you know, Laviolette, he, he's going to make you earn your ice time. And right now, you know, Kako and Wheeler, probably the two Ranger forwards, at least in terms of offense, struggling more uh, than anybody else uh, on the team. But hopefully, again, the, the change uh, clicks for one or both of them, and uh, we, we start rolling here. Uh, one other thing I want to mention, the injuries. We know Adam Fox isn't going to be back anytime soon. He was placed on LTIR. Uh, it is worth noting that Peter Laviolette emphatically said no when asked if Adam Fox's season was in jeopardy. So I'll take him at face value. We can all breathe a sigh of relief and fingers crossed that Adam Fox can get back out there uh, at or near his 
date where he's first eligible to return, which off the top of my head, I want to say is November 29th. It's somewhere in that ballpark. So hopefully he's right back out there, you know, right around that time. And Philip Hedl, you know, again, believed to be dealing with a concussion, which is always scary. All the best to Philip Hedl, and uh, hopefully he gets better soon. And the other thing that I want to mention here is all these uh, phantom moves that the Rangers have been making. They've basically every day been sending Louis Domingue, Johnny Brodzinski, and Connor Mackey down to the Wolfpack and then calling them up a few hours later. And I know that's kind of caused some confusion among Ranger fans. This is all, you know, paper transactions. It's done with the idea, I, I believe, of cap space accrual. And so when these guys aren't on your roster for a day, it does allow more cap space to accrue uh, between now and the trade deadline. So the Rangers have a little bit more cap space to work with when the trade deadline rolls around, uh, partially as a result to making what I'm calling, you know, phantom moves. They're, they're sending them down to Hartford, but they're not really. And some people were kind of wondering like, oh man, are, are they really making these guys like fly back to Hartford and then making them fly? No, they're not doing that. There's no way. I, I'm sure these players are kind of in on it. I'm sure Drury or somebody from the front office is telling them, look, we're going to send you down, quote unquote, but really you're not going anywhere. We're going to call you right back up. Stay with the team, keep traveling, all that good stuff. But uh, I believe right now we're in the phase where the, all three have been sent back down, quote unquote. Uh, Louis Domingue, it's possible he stays with Hartford because maybe Igor Shesterkin's back in the next one. Uh, we'll see. That hasn't been confirmed or anything along those lines yet, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. And um, yeah, just, just kind of clear up uh, all those bizarre transactions where Domingue, Brodzinski, and Connor Mackey, again, being caught up and sent down seemingly every day, a couple hours apart. I'm uh, going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. I want to turn our attention to what was a shaky third period for the Rangers. Made us all a little bit nervous, but uh, they do hold on for the win. We'll break that down in just a second. But first, well, everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much, much more. I have a friend. This has been his strategy for a lot of years. Known him for a really long time. Uh, big New York Giants fan. I'm sure we got a couple of Giants fans listening to this as well. But his strategy for years has been to bet against the Giants because in his mind, something good is going to happen whenever he does that. Either he hits on his bet, wins some money, or the Giants defy him and win their game, and then he's happy that his team won. So an interesting strategy there. Um, but regardless, visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so let's go ahead and turn our attention to what was a poor third period for the Rangers? They basically just kind of got away from what they were doing. You know, I talked about uh, the idea that they played a complete 40 minutes. That's pretty much what they did in this game. And when it comes to like a complete 60, I've talked about this in the past, but I haven't mentioned it in a long time. When somebody says that a team plays a complete 60 minutes to me, that doesn't mean complete and utter domination for 60 minutes. That doesn't happen very often, although it did happen for 40 minutes in this game for the Rangers. But to me, 60 minutes just means you're sharp for 60 minutes, uh, not making any mental mistakes, not turning the puck over very often, not allowing any soft goals, uh, being opportunistic, out skating, out working your opponent. That to me is a complete 60. If your opponent gets a random push for two or three minutes in the second period or 
you know, scores a goal late in the third period, whatever it might be, that doesn't take away the complete 60 minutes. But what does take away the complete 60 minutes is basically how the Rangers played in the third period here. Um, you know, first of all, give some credit to the Red Wings because down five, nothing very easy to just say, well, you know what? It's not our night. We'll come back and we'll get them in the next one. We'll just kind of put it in cruise control for the last 20 minutes here. They didn't do that. Uh, they fought back and, and that's a credit to them for forcing the issue and uh, making this game interesting. With that said, the Ranger defense just was not there in the third period. I don't know how far, how they were able to get so far away from what they were doing in the first two periods, but you give up a pair of goals to the Red Wings second line, about 30 seconds apart. Rasmussen and Kostin both score to cut it down to 5-2. And the Kostin goal was really not good at all. I, I felt, again, that the Schneider-Jones pairing did better for the Rangers in this game than it has in some other games where we've seen them together, but this was bad. Uh, Schneider basically, the puck is along the boards on the left side, and Schneider gets caught in between, it seemed like, you know, going for the puck and going uh, in, up against the boards there and trying to fight for the puck, you know, turn it into like a 50-50 battle. He got caught between doing that and kind of holding his position, and so he basically just kind of took himself out of the play because he started to move toward the boards, then hesitated, didn't really go for the puck, and, and so he's basically a non-factor in this play at this point. And then, you know, Kostin picks up the puck from along the boards, goes right to the net. Uh, Zach Jones is there in front. Looks like he's going to be able to make a play, but kind of just reaches for the puck with his stick. And then you've got Kostin, uh, you know, continuing across the top of the crease there, back hitting the puck into the net and knocking the lead down to 5-2 to two at that point. So there was just zero resistance from either Ranger defenseman on this play. I think at times the struggles of those two has been overstated a little bit. You know, maybe that, maybe what's happening here, because I know people, <laughs> certain Ranger fans like to go after Jacob Truba, right? He's played so well. If you look on social media, there's almost zero negative talk when it comes to Jacob Truba right now. And same thing for Ke'Andre Miller. They've been very good to start the season. So uh, Braden Schneider maybe becomes a little bit more of a target because he hasn't played, you know, uh, as well as he's capable of at times this season. Uh, I, I don't think he's been nearly as bad as, you know, certain fans would have you believe. But yeah, again, not not a banner moment for either uh, Brian Schneider or Zach Jones on this goal here. And then naturally, I hit on, one of my, hit on one of my predictions here. We got Andrew Kopp scoring a goal a little bit later in this game. He cuts the lead down to 5-3. to three. This was after Huso uh, picked up the puck, uh, you know, obviously in the Detroit end and moves up the ice to Comfort. Comfort gets it to Kopp. Rangers were caught in the middle of a line change. So, again, just, just sloppy play from the Rangers and uh, just kind of not sharp the way that they were the first two periods. This wasn't going to happen. You weren't going to catch the Rangers in a bad line change for the first 40 minutes of this game. But again, you know, they, they just kind of got away from um, playing the kind of hockey that they were playing for the first 40 minutes of this game, which leads me into something else, the neutral zone play. I thought the Rangers defended exceptionally well in the neutral zone for the first two periods of this game. It was very difficult for Detroit to get through. Um, even when they did, you know, the, the Rangers were just very defensively structured throughout the first two periods of this game. And then for some reason, the neutral zone defense for the Rangers just wasn't there. And again, credit to Detroit. They've got some speedy players and some guys that can get through there pretty quick. And, and that's all well and good. But all of a sudden, the, the neutral zone basically just became like an open highway for both teams. That That's what was so strange about this. Like the Rangers, I really noticed it when it was five to two. All of a sudden, instead of, you know, focusing on defense, the Rangers went into this, uh, this style of play where they're basically just trading rushes up and down the rink with the Red Wings. And if there's a situation where there's less than 10 minutes to go in the game and one team is up by three goals and one team is obviously down by three goals, 
The team down by three goals, that's going to be the team that signs up for that style of play. Yeah, okay, fine. Let's trade rushes up and down the ice. We got to try and get a couple of goals here. Uh, it's not looking good for us anyway. We'll get a couple of chances out of this. The team up by three goals, that, that's the last thing you should be looking to do. And there were a lot of times um, in the third period, but I think especially when it was five to two here, where the Rangers would get into the zone and they would settle for just like a random shot from along the boards. One of those hope plays where you know there's no way they're going to score. And, you know, the, the shot would go wide. It bounced off the boards and the Red Wings were flying up the ice the other way. And it's like, why are you doing this? Like, just dump the puck, cycle it a little bit, turn it into, you know, a little bit of a blue collar game here, bleed some clock, uh, keep the puck in the offensive zone for a little bit longer instead of just forcing a shot from an area where you know you're not going to score. So that was just strange to, to see them uh, play that style of hockey. Um, but, you know, again, ultimately they got away with it. Jonathan Quick, I uh, was very good again in this game. He ends up making 25 saves on 28 shots, saved some of his best for toward the end of the game. As I tweeted out uh, during this game, Jonathan Quick, you know, a lot of people were ready to write him off, run him out of town, honestly, as soon as they signed him. But then uh, certainly in the preseason when Quick, you know, struggled a little bit. Uh, but he's been awesome. You know, Jonathan Quick is, he's got his fingerprints on uh, this really strong start to the season. To begin with, I don't know if anybody saw the Vincent Trocek interview after the game, but he raved about what a great teammate Jonathan Quick is and how he's fit in right away and, um, you know, kind of somebody that gets everybody, like, involved. You know, just one of those glue guys, uh, you know, you know, in the locker room at this point. But there's that. And then there's also just the fact that Jonathan Quick has played very, very well. Even in the game against Minnesota where he gave up five goals or four goals, rather, and they lost in the shootout, um, you know, he played well in that game, made a lot of really nice saves. So Jonathan Quick's been awesome. And now with Igor Sesterkin dealing with an injury and Quick having to step in there for the last couple of games here, uh, that's been big. It's been big time for the Rangers. So uh, props to Jonathan Quick. He's won all three of his starts and uh, has looked very, very good doing it. So uh, again, nice pickup for the Rangers there and hopefully it continues going forward. And then as far as, uh, and this one that I'm about to talk about, it goes beyond the third period, but too many penalties. Too many penalties again for the Rangers. If you want to nitpick anything from the first two periods, it's the penalties. Uh, Wheeler, Wheeler and Cooley both took penalties in the first period. Uh, this is probably part of why the Rangers were not able to take over this game until the second period, as I talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, then the second period, you've got Wheeler taking a holding penalty 37 seconds in, and then Miller gets called for tripping with three seconds left uh, in the second period. And then the third period, Goodrow gets a cross-checking penalty. Miller gets a delay of game penalty. And uh, this gave the Red Wings a five-on-three for a little bit less than a minute. Uh, the good news is the Rangers killed that off very well. They were... Down five on three. They went with Mika Zibanejad, Ryan Lindgren, and Jacob Truba. Truba, a couple really impressive plays in the puck and some timely clears during the five on three. And I wanted to share this quote from Peter Laviolette because, again, I tweeted out last night that I think this is the best that Jacob Truba has played since he's been a member of the Rangers. And, you know, he's played well, you know, throughout his Ranger tenure for the most part. You know, a couple of bad stretches here and there, but for the most part, Truba's been very good. Uh, but this is what Peter Laviolette had to say regarding Truba. He's been unbelievable. I mean, he's played such a really good game for us, a steady game. He and Key have been outstanding. They put up tough minutes on a nightly basis. I think that as a pair, they've done a really good job. Jacob's done a really good job as a leader. And yeah, I mean, he said it. I feel like that pairing, you look at the way they started last season. Miller and Truba were brutal to start last season. I realized nobody on the Rangers was exactly setting the world on fire around this time last year. You know, the end of October and pretty much all of November were not good at all for the Rangers last season, but that pairing in particular, and yes, Trubo was dealing with some injuries, but man, were they struggling? And it's just a complete 180 this season. Uh, they've been absolutely fantastic. And it goes back to what I talked about a little bit earlier in the episode too, where these Ranger defensemen really stepping up big as a unit uh, thus far 
or certainly in this game, in the absence of Adam Fox. And they're going to need to continue to do so going forward. Nobody's Adam Fox, but if everybody steps up their game just a little bit, uh, his absence will hurt uh, at least a little bit less than it otherwise would have. And yeah, I mean, I, I figure we could pretty much call it there. We, we pretty much hit on just about everything. Rangers going to be back in action on Thursday at 7 p.m. against the Minnesota Wild. As I mentioned, we're going to be doing a crossover episode with Seth from Locked On, Minnesota Wild. Uh, the Wild, of course, beat the Rangers a little bit earlier this season. What is it, about a week ago now? All this stuff blends together at a certain point. Um, a couple of days ago, I don't know. But it could be round two. Obviously, the Wild won a very exciting game, 5-4 to four against the Rangers in a shootout. Rangers will look for a better result. And, uh, yeah, they are back in action Thursday at 7 against the Wild. And like I said, in our next episode, going to be doing that crossover. Very, very much looking forward to it. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Lockdown New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.